This episode of Classroom Brew is featuring the Lazy Teacher Podcast. As you know, my buddy Brian is also a podcaster, and that's actually how we met. We did our first episode together, I believe it was episode 32, where we talked about a number of different topics. This week's episode, only reason I'm doing a pre-roll is to let you know there might be a little bit of audio differentiation. Ha teaching word for you there. Because this was done remotely, because Brian is out in California, I am over here in Illinois, there's going to be a little bit of a difference in microphone setting, but I think we did a pretty good job making sure that the audio synced up to what our conversation actually was in real time. So, without any further ado, here is episode 48 featuring Brian. Welcome to the Classroom Brew Podcast. Think about comedians in cars getting coffee, but the teacher version with beer. Classroom Brew is associated with hashtag teacher pods. Make sure you check out other great indie and teacher podcasts around the world today. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Good, good. How about you, man? Uh, good. It's been a nice summer, man. I took a, took a little break from the podcast, so it's been pretty killer to, to, I guess, to get back in it. Like, I honestly haven't even looked at my gear until today. <laughs> I missed your show, man. Like, that was one of the ones that I always appreciate. We've kind of talked, like, you've given me tips on mine, or you said, like, hey, man, I really like this, and I've missed listening to yours, because I feel like I learned a lot from yours. Do you think that was worthwhile, though? Like, yeah, are I, you a little more refreshed now that you've gotten yeah. away from that, oh, I got to produce an episode this week? Oh, dude, I can't even express to you how nice it was. I mean, you take a break from school and I just, and then taking a break from the podcast was nice. You, I, I kind of forget like how much energy has to go into it to prepare for an episode to come out. I mean, I don't need to tell you, you know, you're always, you're always putting uh, social social um, posts out like, you know, episode coming soon, oh, episode tomorrow, new episode out. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's like kind of like what you got to do though. If you want to like, if you really want to get the numbers and, and, and let the listeners know that something's coming out, but right. yeah, it was nice to take a break for sure. Oh, I bet. So how you been uh, occupying your time this summer? <sighs> Gosh, it's been hot here. So I've been leaving uh, and going to the, the beach as much as I possibly can. My kids love the beach. So just Lots of surfing, pretty much surfing every day. Did a lot of camping at the beach, and um, I did some backpacking in the mountains a couple weeks ago, and just leave the house a little bit. I live in Southern California, but the area that I live in is uh, technically a desert region, so it's oh, okay. it's like 112 right now. So it's, is it a dry heat hot. or pretty humid? <clears throat> no, it, for the most part, it's pre- it's pretty dry. I'm not close enough to the ocean. I'm about an hour drive, so I'm not okay. close enough to the ocean that we're getting the moisture from the ocean. But so it is. It is pretty dry. It just sucks, you know. You walk out and <laughs> yeah. you feel like you're walking into an oven. It it really sucks. Yeah, yeah. I just got back from Houston where I, I went there for the national AP conference, and oh my okay. god! Like I had been to Dallas, but that's like far enough north that it's a dry heat. Whereas Houston, like you walk outside for. 30 seconds and it's so damn humid because the you're so close to the coast the southern coast right there right you start sweating it just pulls the sweat out of you so I'm, I'm so glad to be back not that it's that much better in chicago but i'm really glad we're not in that heat yeah i don't know that i've ever experienced high humidity with heat like i'm just used to dry heat you know mm-hmm. living in california i went to school in in arizona i hate the heat but i guess i'm just used to the dry heats but i think you know from from what i understand everybody says dry heat's always better than a humid heat so i guess i'm lucky in that way yeah there you go at least until you experience it then you're like oh shit no i think i'd yeah. agree though no i was just gonna say it's that part of uh part of the heat is like the danger of fire i don't 
I don't even know if it's like national news or not, but it's it's huge in California. There's um, I think there's like five or six huge wildfires right now, like two that are in uh, opposite directions where, I mean, I can see the smoke encroaching and flames encroaching. And I have friends that are having to evacuate their houses and everything. Oh it's, my God. Yeah. Well, it's like 5% containment. Oh, well, well and I, I'm not laughing. It just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like almost that ridiculous that you kind of have to chuckle at it. Mark Marin, the comedian and also podcaster, he was talking about his landscaping got ruined because the sun burned it. Like literally surface burns on, on his landscaping, like trees, bushes, everything. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's totally standard in oh my God. in California. If you don't have drought tolerant plants, most, most of the time it'll, it'll burn. Oh jeez. And uh, this summer has been terribly hot. It's been unusually hot. And I think we only had about three inches of w- rain in the winter. So oh, wow. that didn't help. And uh, yeah, that's, everything's, that's a good thing. everything's burning out here. It's a good thing you're going to the beaches then. Yeah. It's, it's really nice, but uh, yeah, you you know, it sounds like from your episodes, you've been you've been traveling a bunch. So you went to Houston. Didn't you go somewhere for like an AP conference? That wasn't the Houston, Pennsylvania or something? Yeah, we went to, uh, so I went to Plainfield, Illinois for uh, APSI, which is like preparing you to teach a college board course. And then uh, the Houston one was fun. Well, one, it's you're traveling a little further as opposed to 45 minutes from where you currently live. Uh, but since it was national, there were so many people. So like I was trying to network the podcast a little bit, but I was meeting people and they also have their own shows. Some people have books they've been writing. So it was a great chance to network and learn a little bit and kind of expand on more practical ways. Like I'm teaching AP Psych and they were showing us like labs that we can do to really bring the content to life as opposed to just saying, all right, we have a test to prepare for in May. Start reading. Oh, of course. Yeah. There's like zero engagement with that. Kids are like, nah, checked out already. Right. Especially because nowadays we're so focused on literacy and test scores and all that. So it's like, if it's an AP course... I, they, you know, they have to be focused on the score. So it'd be nice to kind of liven it up a little bit. That's cool. Are you looking forward to getting that going in your classroom? You know, I'm a little nervous, not so much about making the curriculum, but since we have, I think last time we talked, uh, we were kind of talking about how you were teaching kindergarten at the time and now you're moving to lower elementary, but the reading levels yeah, between second grade. second grade. Okay. That's good. But the reading levels between my high schoolers, well, some of my high schoolers and probably your kindergartners or even second graders, it's probably not that big a difference. So trying to make it equitable for those kids so they actually can access the content, but then still succeed on the test that every single kid gets to earn the AP credit, the college credit, that's my biggest worry. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's definitely one of the things that stuck out the most last time last time we, we got together and did one of these is you mentioned that their reading level is pretty much on par with an elementary student. And that mm-hmm. that just shocked me because these are advanced placement classes, right? And they still are at that reading level. Uh, well, for the most part that's a a district issue where it just looks good on paper if a school has a certain number of kids in upper level classes, but long term you know, you're kind of putting people in a bad situation. And that, I'm not even talking about the staff, I'm talking about the students. Yeah, you're almost like setting them up for failure. I mean, right? gosh, I don't even know. I'm not, I'm not trying to put down your students by any stretch, but I mean, would you say that they're legitimately advanced placement classes or are we just titling these so that the district can have a name to say it's being offered and have students in those classes? Right. Well, I mean, I can't quite speak to AP yet because I haven't taught it. But in terms of like my honors class versus my regular classes, I think it's honestly a facade. There's just no way an honors curriculum from another school would work in my district. There's such a disparity that it's kind of putting, you know, excuse the term, I'm not saying my students are, but it's lipstick on a pig. Yeah, yeah, of course. This is kind of a good segue, I guess. I was reading this story like a week ago, 
And it was, <laughs> so this is from the San Francisco Chronicle, saying that a judge allowed a lawsuit accusing California, I believe this is the state, <laughs> of providing inadequate education to kids. And then I looked and I was like, is it really that big of an issue? And then like a day or two after that article came out, CNBC posted the 10 most and least educated cities in the U.S. Numbers 142, 143, 144, and 146 where like a couple California schools. Okay. And I was thinking like, is this like, what are the actual measures of this? So, I mean, not that you can speak to, you know, the entire California education system, but if you're teaching in a second grade or kindergarten classroom, are you seeing things in your building or in your district or whatever that are problematic or you're concerned? I would, you know, not necessarily. It's kind of hard, you know. I don't like you said. You know, where are they getting this statistic? And I'm not trying to be defensive of California. It's a huge state, you know. It's like right. What I guess you couldn't separate it into like you know northern, central, or southern. But regardless, I I don't know that I'm. I don't. I don't feel like I'm necessarily um, seeing a disparity or like you know like the kids coming in lower or you know comparative to Mm -hmm. the country. I, I, I always felt like our, our academics in California were right on par with everybody else. And I thought we were doing great, you know, but I selectively, I, I am in a district that, you know, tends to have lower economic state for the the families and, uh, you know, greater than 95% of our students are on free or reduced lunch, but that's kind of Mm -hmm. like where I wanted to work. You know, like I, I live in an area where, you know, it's probably like middle, class middle upper class and i don't really want to i don't i didn't really feel a calling to work here so you know our district is lower than than you know the city that i live in but they also have families that most of them are immigrants from mexico or or from another country or you know a lot of the parents don't speak english so you know they're coming in with a disadvantage and that's you know it sounds like that's not too um, unsimilar to like what you're working with, right? I mean, maybe they're not immigrants from another country, but right. these your kids are coming in with, you know, they got some weight on their shoulders from the from the jump, right? Right. Anytime it's a disenfranchised group, that's it's unfortunate what we deal with, which is why it's just, it's ridiculous that they, the people that make these studies, it's going to make us look bad, like we're not doing our job. If they're allowing a lawsuit of the school district, it seems kind of like a cop out to the actual issues that are going on. Yeah, I wonder where. I wonder who the the lawsuits against. I wonder if it's the. Um, I wonder if it's the California State Education, or I want. I, I don't know. I mean, we have clearly we were going to have a lot of districts. So I mean, it, it can't, they can't be just suing one district. But that's weird. That's really weird to be found guilty right. of that. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, oh, there's there's no way. When I initially saw it, I thought it was like a joke. Like they're oh they're going after you know like they're just doing this for like the title or something like that. But L.A. Supreme Court or Superior Court, sorry. Uh, yeah, I guess it is the Department of Education, which. Yeah. Is interesting, or sorry, the state of California. Yeah. That's the actual quote. The state of California is directly responsible for inadequacies that disproportionately affect low-income students. Wow, that's wow. that's a bummer. <laughs> that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, though, I kind of just take uh, that with like a grain of salt and just brush it off. Like I don't know that that doesn't affect me. I mean, I feel I'm a. I know I'm a good teacher. Good. You know, I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get into teaching to teach like the number one kids. I did it because I wanted to make a difference and I know I'm making a difference. So even if I'm not making a huge difference academically, which I, gosh, I hope I am. And the data shows I'm Mm -hmm. making a difference, but 
I know I'm making a difference in their lives socially. And, and, you know, that that's kind of what's more important to me. I would say as you probably get into middle school, high school, where you're at, now that I think about it, you got to set that. <laughs> I'm the one that sets the foundation and I'm like, man, I don't really care about that. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a tough position either, either place. It's just one of those things that I saw it and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Another thing that we're going to get blamed for, you know, <sighs> yeah. indirectly, like sure. They're going after the state, but it's just frustrating. It seems like that, doesn't it, Ryan? It seems like we get teachers get blamed for a lot. And then a second later, those same people are all advocating for educators and saying, you know, we really got to support education. And it's like, <laughs> right. Hey, hey, you know, that's been said for years. Nothing gets done about it. I'm not complaining, <laughs> but you know, it's yeah, like, it's still something that's there. They always talk about the importance, but then you have teachers that are forced to go on strike because they don't make enough to honestly live. You said it never does seem to to change. You and I have both kind of talked about how we're kind of held to a different standard. So like I had like a, I still have a certain degree of anonymity to my show because yes. it involves talking over a couple of beers. I think you said an administrator or a friend or someone was talking about, well, how is your show title, The Lazy Teacher, going to make you look? Yeah, exactly. It, it's something that it doesn't happen in any other position, even though it probably should. Like if you're a politician or a lawyer or someone, for example, and not that they aren't held to standards, but it's weird that it's a little bit different, a little bit more frowned upon for for us. It's true. It's true. Are you? Are, so have you decided, are you going to try and maintain anonymity with for yourself throughout your show? Or because I do remember we, we were talking and you're saying, you know what, I might try to, you know, maybe open it up and let more of my staff know that I'm doing this show. And, you know, has that changed or have you thought about that much? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've kind of opened up a little bit to a few staff members. Like uh, some know that I do some sort of a show. A few people know the exact title of the show. In terms of admin, though, that's where I'm kind of like, uh, I'm not really sure. And not because it's overly negative, uh, but just kind of like a maintaining that separation. For sure with the listener, though, like my school, uh, my school is going to remain private. Names are always going to be changed, especially if they are requested to be changed. Uh, the necessary oh, yeah, anonymity. I, I, absolutely. I think that's very important, especially for the for the kids in school. And, uh, right. And if you're telling a story about students or, or you know, another teacher, it's... Yeah, you definitely right. have to change the name. It's interesting, though, that you brought up the the administration because it, that was my principal who, you know, on a personal level is a great guy and a, and a good friend of mine. And that's maybe why I'm thinking he questioned me on that. But uh, he ended up volunteering to transfer to another school to help that school bring up their attendance. And like our school, like our principal, I just left. It's amazing, man. You know, we had the mm -hmm. highest attendance in the whole district elementary through high school, fastest growing academics in the school. So, you know, a lot of it's attributed to him. So he, he volunteered to move to another school to help bring them up. So mm -hmm. anyways, long story short, he moved our our assistant principal, um, became an assistant principal at another school as well. So we have all new administration that came in. Oh, and it's man. interesting because the new administration that came in, um, I'm not sure how they knew about it, but already know that I have a show and I haven't, oh, I haven't even really said anything to them. So it's kind of like, it's almost like a comfortable position now because it's like, I don't feel like I have to ask permission. It's like, well, I already do this. So you're new to the school. You got to just, you got to understand <laughs> sure. one of your teachers has a podcast. Right. Right. And it's not like, like, honestly, like how lucrative is you know the podcasting uh, world in terms of like, like not that we're saying anything negative again, but I don't, I feel like it's not going to be that big on, on their radar. I was kind of nervous though. Like I did a, a three part series where I had students on. Those were obviously 
the non-alcoholic, the <laughs> uh, the eighteen. Uh, Those were amazing, episodes. by the way. Those oh, were awesome. You. That that thank young you. man that that the young man. He's a father. That one was that one was crazy. That was a really oh, good yeah. one. Yeah, he when he said the thing about forcing himself to finish through and finish strong in school because what's he going to tell his son? I was like, oh my god, like that's incredible. I'm really glad that we got that done because it was a different type of a show, different type of a guest, and it, I think it was really, I think it did really well too. I think it's something I want to try to keep doing when I have a senior that can like sign a release to give them voice or to give advice to like some new teacher or an old teacher or whatever it may be. Yeah, it was, it was so it, fun to I do. I thought it. it was a great idea. I thought it was an excellent idea. Thanks, thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I said this, and I said this the last time we did a show. I, I don't think that anonymity is gonna is that important. Like I. I think people are going to embrace your show regardless. I don't think it needs to be something that you're hiding. I don't know if you're trying to hide it, but mm. it's it's an amazing show. Like it's really like legitimately it's a very good show. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I think so, it's it's slowly I'm peeling back those layers. Like when I was at the conference, I was handing out the business card and talking to people. Uh, and then I was thinking about updating the logo where I might be in it. That might be like the final step to being more open about it. Cuz I mean again, it's something I'm proud of. Um so I want to start to peel back those layers. Yeah, my shoes are in my logo. <laughs> That's it. That's right. <laughs> I like the logo though. It's it's simple. You get the point no, across I love my and logo. it's different. No, I, it stands I do. Out. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I think that. it's great. I want to jump back into, we were talking about, uh, you know, teachers can get blamed for certain things and, and it dawned on me that this is going to be your second year as a teacher. So you're not tenured, right? Or at least in California, you have to teach for two years before you're tenured. So uh, kind of a two-part question. Are you going to be right. tenured this year? So in our district, it works. I think it's, uh, you have to have worked for three years and gotten a proficient or higher rating on, they're called yes. reach assessments. So you either okay. get, uh, you either get a, I don't even know what the ne- the term is for a negative rating, but if you get one or two of those, you go on probation or you can get a distinguished rating, which is great uh, or proficient. So if your fir- if your first year as a teacher in Wait, is it just Chicago or is it the state of Illinois? I think it's just Chicago because I use a different observation cycle. So I, I think okay, it's so two years in Chicago, of distinguished. If you, di- if you get distinguished for one year in Chicago, you'll become tenured or it shortens uh, it to two, two years? I think it shortens it to two years or it might shorten it to gotcha. three. I, I always forget because I'm, I'm not... I just try to do the best that I that I can each day. I should probably look into that though to make sure. Regardless, that's kind of my long answer to I'm still not uh, a tenured teacher although okay. i don't i don't know though is are there other states that two years is enough to acquire it I feel like it's kinda... well in, in comparison i know california has uh, uh needs improvement uh satisfactory mm, okay. and exceeds or something like that and exceeds is kind of hard to get but sure so anyways to, to become tenured to my understanding you have to teach for two years and have only satisfactory or exceeds on all levels of um, proficiency in what you're um, observed on. Right. If in that two years, then you become tenured. I believe if you have an unsatisfactory, I think you only get like one or two of them. If you get more of them in that two years, then it pushes it back to three years. If after three, mm, that okay. third year, you still have uns- unsatisfactory, I believe they'll, I think they just let you go. I, I, I'm not sure. Right. I honestly don't yeah. even know anyone that, that didn't make it to tenure unless they quit teaching, of course. Right. I think the only reason, like my sister was in the district I'm in now, which is a massive district, but the only reason she didn't get tenure in that district is because they did a massive layoff of 
like yep. literally six or 700 teachers, and that's why she didn't get it. It's not necessarily something I'm worried about. I don't really have plans to move along anytime soon. I don't think they have any plans uh, of moving or moving past me or replacing me, but it's kind of in the back of my mind. Yeah. California did that. I, I want to say, gosh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, when we were ha- in a huge budget crisis, and they, they hired on a, a lot of teachers, and then they... Mm-hmm pink slipped all the teachers and then brought oh, back like 90% of them. Okay. And so if you were in your second year and you got pink slipped, you lost it and you came back brand new uh-huh. hire and had to start your probe cycle all over again. Oh man. Kind of a bummer. Yeah. I oh my God. Not that, to mention I, awkward, right? Yeah, like, oh, for sure. And the next week, like, Oh, Hey, you want a job? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you get, you're, you're at, you're at a school and then for two years you get pink slipped, you go home, you come back to sometimes it was that exact same school and classroom. You're like, gee, I just packed this up. That's funny. <laughs> I was asking about that tenure, though, because you and I are in um, two unique situations. You are still a probe teacher, and I've been tenured for a long, 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 long time. So I guess my question, we can both chime in on this, is what's your opinion on teachers not getting tenure? Because I guess that's kind of an argument, is that bad teachers become tenured, and it's very, very difficult to get rid of them. So, And we'll both, you know, you can go first. What's your opinion on teachers being tenured? Do you think it's it's good for the career? Do you think it's good for the kids? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking about... Like when when I was in high school too, we would complain about there was a particular teacher. I won't say what subject or what gender, but we were concerned about this person being bad because they were tenured. And it turns out this person actually wasn't. Uh, we just assumed because that's the stereotype, right? Of course. I'm of the volition because I'm in the profession that a tenure teacher is a more invested teacher. But at the same time, like it's not affecting me not having tenure. Of course, I'm trying to achieve it. I I honestly just think it's so hit or miss, and it because of those stereotypes that are perpetuated. That's kind of, you know, the assumption like, oh, well, they're safe. It's going to be hard to get them. That means they're going to give up. Hopefully, the majority of people, at least you and I, for sure, I think we all have good intentions going in and having that security saying you're going to be here for a while. I think that creates more buy-in. But that's that's just me. What, what do you think, though? Yeah, Ryan, tenure is a tricky thing, man. I, it's like I kind of feel like on one hand, it's good because it offers... Um, it offers like support for teachers when they need it. You know what I mean? It's not like you have to worry that you're not going to have a contract for the following year. And that's a cool feeling. It's neat to know that like at the end of the school year, I'm, I know I'm going to have another job. I mean, right. Right. They'd have to go through. They'd, yeah. They got to jump through some loops to like, to get rid of me. But that kind of leads into the other part of it. You know, it's like, I'm conflicted about it because I, I honestly, I feel like tenure kind of protects bad teachers and maybe not necessarily like bad teachers, but uh, maybe teachers that like wouldn't be like necessarily like on their A game anymore. Like they've uh, maybe burned out. Yeah, they're exactly. They're like burned out or, uh, you know, there could be like so many different cases for it. And and in teaching, it's hard to get rid of a teacher. I mean, it's really hard. It's, it's easier to um, just transfer a teacher to another school. And then inevitably what happens is like they have this like, you know, they call it the dance of lemons. It's like, okay, well, I'll trade you this teacher for that teacher. <laughs> the dance and of lemons? It's I've never yeah, heard that phrase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what we, 
that's what we call it here in California is the dance of lemons. <laughs> it's like a principal will will take a teacher that that maybe isn't motivated as much for you know the students and trades for like another lemon that like maybe that lemon is you know late to work. Or, sure. I don't know whatever the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, but tenure kind of protects that, and so you know, I don't know. In the end, it's like I kind of feel like I can't think of another career that has tenure. You know what I'm saying? Like when I was growing up, my dad was a a general contractor. He didn't have tenure. It's like if he wasn't out hustling and, and, you know, trying to make do good for business, he didn't have business. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. Even like professional sports athletes, like they've got a a contract sometimes, but they can even be bought out. So it it really is the only, like once you get tenure, there's no, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, I don't I, you know, I don't know. Even administration doesn't have tenure. They're they're on a year-to-year contract and Right. I think they find out in March if they're not going to if they're not going to be coming back. So, right. you know, I don't know. It's it's and like to be totally honest with you Ryan, this tenure is a tricky thing for me because I've been in that situation where I lost the motivation, you know. I taught kindergarten the past 3 years. Loved it. Loved, loved it. The first year that I I went to kindergarten. I just fell in love with the grade, the curriculum, the kids. I mean, I was this like super dynamic mm-hmm. kindergarten teacher. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did I not do this before? I love this. And then the second year felt the, felt the same. And, you know, I don't know what it was, but at some point last year while I was teaching, and it definitely wasn't the kids because I love those kids. I mean, kids are kids. They're like at five and six year olds they're all the same, you know, they're all just sweethearts and and innocent, you know, I don't even know, man, something hit me and I just, and I found myself just tired, dude. I didn't want to go to school anymore. I just was burned out. I wasn't putting in the effort that, you know, that I, I, I could have done. I just, honestly, I think my teach, my, I think my kids deserved more than what I was giving them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do you have a hall pass to listen to the rest of this? You don't. So if you'd like to hear the rest of my conversation with Brian, you got to check out next week's episode, episode 49. So hopefully that cliffhanger isn't too much for you to handle for the next seven days or however long if you're not listening to this on Thursday when this episode launches. But in the meantime, if you'd like to check out Brian's podcast, The Lazy Teacher Podcast, he's featured on every podcast platform that you can check out Classroom Brew. If you'd like to reach out to him, his voicemail is 619-TEACH-51. He also has an email, brian at thelazyteacherpodcast.com. His social media is at lazyteacherpodcast or at thelazytpodcast, depending on if you're on Instagram or Twitter. Those of you that listen this week, thank you very much. Feel free, reach us at Classroom Brew on your favorite social media or facebook.com slash classroombrew. Email lines are still open, classroombrew at gmail.com. Love when you guys reach out to us. And until next week, we finish up the cliffhanger when you finally land on the other side. Class dismissed. <laughs>